Welcome to the Horsewise Podcast with Lynn Reardon, where we share stories of horses and people and what they teach each other. On today's episode, I'll be talking about my background with horses, the history of Horsewise, and how learning from the horses led me into the world of coaching. I hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. Today, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about myself and my background, why I started Horsewise, both the podcast and the coaching service that it represents, and just kind of give you a sense of the origin of how this all came together. So as you've probably figured out from listening to the podcast, my name is Lynn Reardon, and I've been working with horses, I guess now for, it seems like a couple of decades. It's amazing how fast time goes. I started out pretty much just a weekend rider as an adult, and I didn't really learn to ride properly until I was an adult many years ago. And I learned just the basic way. I took group riding lessons once a week, kind of through the local riding stable, nothing fancy. And then over time, I started to get more and more drawn into, I guess what you would say, less than traditional instruction. So I remember at one point getting a little tired of the weekly group riding lessons. I volunteered for the park police in Washington, DC, which was a great program. So you would go and you would clean tack and clean the stalls. And in exchange for that, they would let you ride, not not necessarily the police horses themselves, but they had a, a little group of training horses there. And at that time, that particular unit, the officers had to work with horses that were donated to the program. In other words, the park police unit was not allowed to go out and purchase horses. So the public would donate horses, many of whom were very talented athletically, but almost all of which had some issue that had made them kind of be considered to be donated, like their owners didn't want to keep them or sell them. And some of those horses turned out to make wonderful police horses, But some of them also turned out to be really good teachers because, again, what this police unit did way back then was if you were a police officer and you wanted to become a mounted police officer, you would go to this unit and you would take riding lessons, learn equitation, horsemanship, kind of proper handling of the horse in the situation they might find themselves on the streets. So they had to learn how to ride a variety of horses, develop a good seat, kind of a a police version of the Spanish riding school, maybe not quite as elegant, but equally effective. So this group of horses that had kind of washed out as, as perfect police horses were the schoolmaster, so to speak. There was one horse, uh, his name was Dan. I still remember him. He was a beautiful appendix quarter horse, very, very calm looking, very solid build, very comfortable to ride. And Dan's quirk was that he would be going along, loping beautifully, and then truly, out of nowhere, he would spook suddenly and buck a little bit. Not a crazy rodeo buck, but a pretty solid buck. And then if you kept your seat and stayed calm, he would just then go back and resume the lope, no problem. And he would do this intermittently at different parts of the arena, seemingly randomly, And he taught many, many young aspiring mounted police officers how to sit a buck, how to have a good seat, and how to remain steady and non-reactive. So I started volunteering there. And as you can tell from what I just described, they were set up for what you would really call truly practical horsemanship. 
and not just about maybe being in a certain position for a show competition or for a judge to give you a certain score, but for very practical horsemanship so that the horse would be set up for success and also would be safe, would be a good partner to have in a crowd situation. So that was very interesting to me. And once I started down that road, I ended up eventually learning how to play a little polo, which is a long story. There's a podcast episode I did about that. It's a very low-key polo, not not the super crazy Wellington, you know, British royalty kind of polo. But what I liked about polo was you had to exercise your horses a lot. You would you would keep them conditioned. So there was a lot of riding out you know, cantering, sort of hand galloping, constant riding, keeping the horses fit. And I developed a pretty good seat and a real enjoyment of moving forward, which was fun. And uh, all during my polo years, I also learned how to be less anxious about certain things. So that was also beneficial. I think I started out, like many of us do, a little bit timid in the saddle. And polo will kind of get you excited enough that you tend to leave that behind because you really want to get the ball or you really want to, you know, kind of work with your team. And then slowly I got involved with X race horses. Now all along, in case you thought I was some incredible, like born to a ranch lifestyle or some incredible equestrian family, it's like, no, I was the only person in my family who was ever shown any interest in horses. And I was working in an office setting in Washington, D.C. I was doing finance and administration for nonprofits, which is a fancy way of saying I was the office manager. So I was not at all some kind of a, a slick professional, you know, cowboy trainer or anything like that. But the horses started to take over more and more. And at the polo barn, many of the horses who came to that barn to become trained to be polo horses were horses right off the track and they were gorgeous and I really fell in love with them. They just had such a athletic way about them, super intelligent. And the people that I was riding with at the time told me that I could never ride those horses, that I was just too nervous. I had not been riding long enough that it was just not a good idea to even get involved with the green X-race horses. So, of course, that's what I had to do because I really, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a defiant person, but it gave me something of a challenge. And then I also was just genuinely drawn to them. I don't think it's ever really super good idea to try to accomplish something with a horse to prove something to someone else. But I just, I really loved these horses. I thought they were so amazing. And I thought it would be just the best thing ever to be able to ride them well. And over time, what happened is I eventually moved to Texas and under the most bizarre set of circumstances, ended up opening a racehorse adoption charity called Lope. And in the show notes, I'll, I'll have some links and everything to more of that backstory. So out of nowhere, suddenly, there I am with a 26-acre ranch we were renting and we eventually bought it full of ex-racehorses, and I had no idea how to train them. I could barely ride them. We didn't have a big budget, and there was this huge need. The horses kept showing up, and they really didn't care that I didn't know what I was doing. They needed some help. They needed me to focus, and so I had this moment where I either could have just quit 
it said, hey, this is just way too hard. I don't know what I'm doing. Pretty inept. And I mean, I'm used to be working in an office. I don't have any business doing this. And I probably didn't have any business doing that. But I ultimately decided that the horses were kind of counting on me to at least give it a true try. So because I didn't have a background in a specific discipline, really, polo not really counting, that, that was just sort of a casual thing. What was interesting to me was that I didn't have a set idea of how the horses should be behaving, and I didn't have a set idea of how they should be trained. In other words, I didn't go in and say, okay, this is how I should work with this all horses in order to get them riding quietly under saddle. What I would do is I'd kind of go into the round pen with one of these horses and I'd kind of be staring at him because I didn't know what I was doing. And, uh, and I'd be like, well, I'm not sure, but he seems like he's kind of nervous about this one thing, but he feels pretty good about this other thing I'm doing. So I'm going to do a little bit more of the thing that he likes, and then I'll slowly add in more of the thing that makes him nervous. And I would just kind of wing it, which I know doesn't sound like super slick and marketing professional, you know, but it was actually really good training for me because it taught me to look at each horse as an individual and to pay attention. I think that's probably one of the biggest things I have to offer as a coach and a teacher is being aware of these horses. I have so many stories and you'll hear some of them on the podcast of when I wasn't paying attention or when I wasn't aware and how that ended up being the thing that made all the difference. I have a million of those stories and I would love for all of the people that I work with to never have to have as many of those stories as I did. I'd like you all to be able to learn in a more uh, pleasant and less stressful environment than I did. Um, but for the most part, the X-Race horses, they were really, uh, they were good to me. They gave me a lot. They certainly kept me from becoming a, a truly pretty boring person who worked in an office with spreadsheets. And so I always felt like they kind of, in a way, did more to save me than, than I did for them. So after a few years um, of doing it, I, I wrote a book called Beyond the Home Stretch, which is about my work with the horses there. And I'm always very proud to say that the book was a bestseller in Austin and Dallas and very briefly was the number one horse book on Amazon. But mostly what it was was just for me a thank you to those horses that had taught me so much, who had given me so much. And one of the biggest things they gave me was an introduction to a form of horsemanship. It's called many things. Uh, it's called the Dorrance School. It's called Vaquero Horsemanship, Classical Foundation Horsemanship whatever you want to call it. Um, but what it does is it gets to the fundamentals of the horse. It doesn't matter what discipline you're in. It just goes to the essentials of what a horse is by nature and what the horse kind of needs from people in order to feel good about himself or herself. And the way that the lope horses gave that to me was at the very beginning there when I was painfully aware of how inept I was. And we're talking now probably about 2004, 2005, something like that, I started looking for help. We didn't have enough money to pay trainers, um, but I, I wanted to do better. I wanted to know how I could help these horses or who could help me help them. And that's when somebody gave me a tape. It was actually an old school videotape, believe it or not, of 
Ray Hunt's Turning Loose. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Ray Hunt, I'll have some information in the show notes. But he was basically uh, probably, well, he was certainly the best horseman I've ever met and ever will meet, I'm sure, in my lifetime. And I did have the opportunity to meet him. And from there, that one sort of video got me really interested in this approach to the horse. And again, this isn't like some fancy method or patented, trademarked kind of thing. It's just a school of thought. It's a philosophy on how to approach the horse as the horse is and how the person often has to need to adapt to meet that horse's needs. And that's actually what is so great about it for people is that it teaches us to bring our best to the horse no matter what that horse needs in the moment. So I had watched this video and I recognized that whatever was going on there was what I wanted and it's what I wanted to be able to offer the horses in my care. I felt a big responsibility to those horses and painfully aware again of my limitations, but I really wanted to do the right thing for them. From there, I ended up actually hosting a clinic with Ray Hunt. Lope did, the charity that I was running. So the very first clinic, horsemanship clinic that I ever rode in was with Ray Hunt. And as you can imagine, that kind of set the tone for me. And I was very fortunate that that was my first experience and it set the tone for every clinic that I've ever been in has always been in a very high quality because I had the opportunity to ride with Ray from the start. And uh, he was older then, I think he only lived a few years after that, but he was an incredible teacher. And uh, everything that I've really accomplished since then, I would put put back to that one clinic long ago in 2006. So the Lope Horses also gave me that. Over time, as the charity developed and we were adopting more and more horses, I started to notice that maybe some of the people who were adopting the horses, they were good people. Some of them were very, very skilled people. But sometimes it seemed like they would kind of hit some roadblocks Um, I particularly noticed this with professional trainers, and these were people who had a great deal more experience than me. They were true trainers, right? They were professionals in their industry. But it seemed like they were missing some of these kind of basic core elements, fundamentals, you would say, and that's something that we found pretty straightforward to do. We didn't think it was maybe the most important thing. If you'd asked me then, I'd say, well, wow, it's probably a lot more important to be able to teach a horse to jump well enough to be in the Olympics or in a top show, not to learn how to lead, you know, properly. But as it turned out, those fundamentals were important. And there's an earlier podcast episode I did about a professional trainer named Jessica and her horse Blaze. That's a good example of this kind of thing. So at Lope, we started to take in fewer horses and and do a little more with them. We also started to do a lot of education programs. And then I started to teach quite a bit on the side. And again, from my perspective, it always seemed like these were pretty simple things that I was teaching or demonstrating with the horses. And I maybe didn't even think about it so much as teaching. It was just sort of sharing some things that the horses had taught me. Uh, things I had learned from them, you know, maybe a little insight here and there. So that's kind of how I saw it from the start. I also was blogging for Lope and I started blogging quite a bit about what certain horses had taught me. So every time I had learned a particularly important lesson, which turned out to be probably every day for a while, I would blog about that and I would tag that post horsewise. I thought that was kind of a cool, cool tagline. 
So that's really where the phrase horse wise came about for me, or at least that's when I began using it quite a bit. And uh, so it's about 12 years ago. It's pretty amazing. And so again, these things continue to develop. And pretty soon we had teenage interns at Lope. I was occasionally doing little clinics on horsemanship. Again, very simple things, but things that people seem like they needed. And then it started to segue into, I guess what you would say, a form of relationship coaching. So back when I was at Lope full-time all the time, I used to joke that my job was that I was a career counselor for ex-racehorses. But what it started to become was I was maybe becoming a little bit of a relationship coach for horses and the people who worked with them, owned them, and loved them. Mostly through, again, kind of just building awareness of signals that the horses are giving that are important to pay attention to. Not even necessarily things that are dangerous, although certainly I've seen some of that in my day, but more about those little things you miss that add up to a really kind of large pattern that's harder to undo or that can lead to frustrations under saddle, whether it's an upper level competition or simply trail riding, you don't understand where that pattern is. I got pretty good at sort of seeing those patterns and being able to explain why to the people who had the horses. But what was really happening was that I just had developed a really strong curiosity about each horse that I would encounter. What was that horse going to teach me? And I had learned over the years to become a good student of the horse, to be as attentive as possible, to to look more toward myself, things I could change in myself to help that horse, and also just to be more aware. What I came to discover is that there's always a reason, there's always a rationality, a reality to how the horse is behaving from the horse's perspective. We may not see it from our human perspective, but there is a real true answer to almost any mystery that a horse seems to be presenting in a relationship with a person. That's what I find really fascinating is unlocking that and then helping people see that too. People who know their horses really well, love their horses, but maybe just haven't noticed a pattern that they're getting into that some simple change, some simple shift in awareness can really bring everything together and in a completely different way. This can range again from people who are competing at a high level who can't understand why their horse is reluctant to do one particular movement But then it turns out it's something fairly simple and fundamental that has to do with a certain way they've been warmed up, a particular yoga movement, so to speak, that they need to do, that the person would be happy to provide them if they just knew that that was the issue. It also can be little things like being aware when you're leading your horse or finishing a session with your horse, you're turning your horse back out in the paddock, how important it is that it go a certain way that your ride isn't just the time that you're physically in the saddle. It's from the moment you go and catch your horse to the moment you release your horse. And so many things come up in that, in the span of that, that ride that starts, as I said, before you even get in the saddle. So this is what I really love. And I find it fascinating to work with each new horse, each new person. And it just keeps me really engaged. And again, learning myself, uh, continuing to be just the best student of the horse that I can be, includes sharing everything that I've learned in ways that I hope would be constructive and helpful to people and their horses. 
So if you'd like to learn more about specifically what I offer, you can go to the show notes, you can go to our website. We do all kinds of interesting services for coaching, for workshops, for clinics, micro clinics. But mostly what we do is we just help people become aware of what's truly going on with their horse on the ground, in the saddle, and also help you build a relationship together that is clear and that is based on truly what is happening, not maybe what you wish is happening or what you thought was happening. It turned out to not be the case at all. So I hope you've enjoyed this little kind of origin story of my, my experience and of HorseWise itself. And as always, I thank you for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day.